This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. Happy Tuesday, what up, everyone. What up? Thanks for hanging out with us. We are uh, Shira. And I am Ryan. Yes. I said we almost like your name is Shira too. But yes, we are Let's Go There. We're Can you imagine you, uh... if there was two Shiras? <laughs> Double what type trouble. of show would that be? Who knows? I don't know. Award winning. Would it? Uh, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We're here for you right here on Channel Q, catching you up on the news of the day, pop culture, life, and so much more. Yeah, I like the little breakdown of the show that you do. I try. And LGBTQ plus news because... Wow, you forgot the actual main I thing. I wanted to actually you know, bring that up as a highlight. It's queer erasure. That's what's happening mm-hmm. from our resident hetero woman. Resident. Queer erasure. <laughs> Can you believe it here on Let's Go There? We're starting the show off oh, like this. <laughs> You're the worst. No, but guess what? We should do a special shout out. Um, uh, it's someone special's birthday. Yes, I was like, yes, it is my uh, BF, my boyfriend, his yeah. birthday, Chris. Shout out if you're listening, Chris. Is this is this what sex is like with you two awkward? Yes. <laughs> How did you know? Because she's just like, I don't know if I should. I, for uh, a second, I was like, is it someone else's birthday? Anyway, no, it's my boyfriend's birthday. No, you said birthday. you wanted to do you a know big thing. Uh, it's a huge thing. I'm going to play this for him, I guess, later tonight <laughs> or tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, birthdays for me end up becoming like holidays. Like, it's a reason to sleep in and do nothing. Like, wow. I brought him out for lunch today. Last night was like, we went out to eat. I okay. gained five pounds for the past few days celebrating <laughs> his birthday. I mean, you guys already do a lot of uh, daily activities. So it's oh, kind yeah, of, we do. I mean, I'm not talking <laughs> about that, but I guess. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like you always do extravagant things already. You know what? We live it day to day. You got to do that day to day. You can't wait for the holidays or the celebrations. Remind me to never have you plan my birthday ever again. Oh, really? Or yeah. ever. Not even again. Oh, yeah. I'll, just, I'll see about that. Just Come ever. Come July. You're like, Shira, Shira, what do you think I should be doing? You didn't say anything that sounded like a fun time about your boyfriend's birthday just yet. Dinners, brunches. <laughs> um, What more? I made him a bracelet, a Mayan head bracelet. Yeah, right. gotta, I don't think we so. We gotta move on. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, well, It's not for me, though. It's for Chris. Uh-huh. You won't be getting any party. <laughs> Coming up on the show, besides this love-hate relationship, you'll be entertained by uh, how debt collectors could be coming between you and your stimulus check. Ooh. Yeah. Talk about annoying. A downer. Yes, that's in 15 minutes, plus how to reapproach dating after the pandemic. And that's coming up at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. We're here to help you. 
First, let's get into some What's Trending this hour. This is a really powerful clip. We wanted to play it here on the show today to start us off. A Missouri father is becoming known nationwide after testifying to the state legislator in support of his transgender daughter. Brandon Bulware is a lawyer, father of four, who spoke March 3rd to the Missouri House of Representatives, urging them to reject House Joint Resolution 53. That would bar trans girls from competing alongside cisgender girls in school sports. Uh, now, we're about to play the video. It was posted by the American Civil Liberties Union on social media. It's gotten a ton of attention for its powerful message. Uh, she had, my daughter had sneaked on one of her um, older sister's play dresses. And they wanted to go across the street and play with the neighbor's kids. It was time for dinner. I said, come in. Uh, she asked, can she go across the street? I said, no. She, she asked me if she, if she went inside and put on boy clothes, could she then go across the street and play? It's then that it hit me that my daughter was equating being good with being someone else. I was teaching her to deny who she is. As a parent, the one thing we cannot do is silence our child's spirit. Again, you can find that video on the American Civil Liberties Union social media. Share, spread the message. We need more uh, fathers and allies like him speaking out uh, in these states which are attacking the trans community. And that was what's training this hour. Uh, so what's coming up next hour on the T-Report, Ryan? Yeah, so next hour on the T-Report, there are some uh, shocking developments to this whole Sharon Osbourne situation happening. And uh, she's called her former uh, talk show co-host um, awful names. I'm going to reveal all literally next hour, so stick this around. This drama continues. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But watch out. Coming up next, your new stimulus payment might be snagged by debt collectors. More on that next with the Huffington Post. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Debt collectors can take away some of the $1,400 coronavirus relief payments Congress approved last week as part of the American Rescue Plan. Can you believe they have the guts to do that? I mean, for real. Arthur Delaney is with a senior reporter at HuffPost as we dive in. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So is this always a thing or just this time around? It This sucks. <laughs> it's always a thing. I mean, they, they forgot to include this kind of protection in the CARES Act last year. And so an untold number of people had their benefits garnished by debt collectors that time. Um, and then they remembered to do it for this, the $600 payments that went out after the December bill they followed up with. But then uh, they were going to do it in this bill, but couldn't because they passed this bill using budget reconciliation, uh, which is obscure and, and kind of ridiculous. And according to the Senate's parliamentarian, this provision just just was not okay to include because it had no budget effect because it just affected uh, whether uh, you know, a private company could try to get a court to give them access to the money. So um, there, Democrats are talking about putting a block on that now, but it's just they're moving slow, I think, and it's not clear if it's going to happen. Well, how does one forget this? Uh, it seems like a very crucial part. Like, who's in charge of kind of making these decisions and making sure something like this is a part of this entire process? Well, all the legislation we're talking about was was drawn up by party leaders and didn't have hearings. So I, I would say it's the kind of thing that can happen with a rushed legislative process. With the CARES Act, I mean, the, the pandemic had just started and it was an emergency bearing down on us. And, and you can understand why they rushed. And then after they passed 
that bill. This came to light, and the Senate actually moved pretty quickly to block garnishment by debt collectors, but then just inexplicably, the House did not also pass that bill. So I, I, I don't know what went wrong there, but definitely a question for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Oh. And they remembered to do this with the last bill, but then it wasn't, it wasn't that they forgot this time, but it, they are acting, they are moving really slowly now that they know it's a problem. And I was there today speaking to senators who were basically not even familiar with what was going on or thought they had taken care of it already, even though Senator Ron Wyden, the chair of the Finance Committee, has been talking about this since last week. Yeah, I could see someone like AOC being like, wait a moment, because everything that she represents is to support, you know, um, every, uh, different communities in need, including those who might be hit with this. I mean, defeats the purpose of um, helping Americans if there are no protections. Right. And and so the, the protection they would normally put in is the same kind of thing the government uh, puts on deposits that go from uh, the Social Security Administration, for example, and it's just an electronic uh, signature uh, or unique identifier that tells banks, hey, don't let somebody, uh, don't, don't listen to court orders trying to take this for debt collection purposes. Yeah. And they couldn't, they, they left it out this time. I don't know why they weren't ready to immediately put it in. And I, I spoke to Republicans who were like, oh, yeah, it sounds like this is a good thing to do. But um, <laughs> Wyden hasn't introduced his bill yet. And that money went out last weekend, uh, not to everybody, but it started going out. So it could be too late for some people, even if they do get their act. That's exactly what I was going to ask, especially um, for if they I guess if they do it, what happens to those people if they've already got their wages garnished that means they just don't see that money at that point um well that would i mean they would have to put uh to be honest i'm not sure i I was about to say i think they'd have to specify that it's a retroactive and i don't know if that is feasible so i am not sure Mm. Uh, i i do think the majority of payments have not gone out yet it takes the irs a long time to pay 200 million people so yeah yeah, it's, it's too late for some people, but not for everybody. Okay. That was Arthur Delaney, senior reporter at HuffPost. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, coming up, while there's a lot of questions raised, there's still some positive to focus on. How the COVID stimulus bill could help fight pregnancy-related deaths. That's next. While we've been... While we've all been discussing the stimulus check and unemployment benefits, there's also a provision in the relief bill that supports postpartum. uh, And that's a huge issue because it's something that uh, advocates have been trying to get the government to bring to the forefront for a while. And we want to get into what that means. Shafali Luthra joins us, a healthcare reporter at the 19th, which emphasizes the intersection of gender politics and policy. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you explain the importance of this specific provision? Absolutely. So this is a Medicaid coverage issue for people who are pregnant and postpartum. Medicaid is the biggest insurance plan for births in the country. It covers almost one in two births. And if you're pregnant, it's easier to qualify for Medicaid coverage, right? Because Medicaid typically covers folks who are lower income. But the problem is that If you qualify for Medicaid through your pregnancy, your coverage will end six weeks after you give birth. Crazy. It's been really concerning for a lot of reproductive health experts because 
the United States ranks really terribly on pregnancy-related health and particularly mortality, right? We have a death rate among the worst of wealthy nations. Almost a third of those deaths occur a week to a year after pregnancy, and most are preventable. But, of course, you can't even begin to think about preventing access or, sorry, you can't even think about preventing those deaths if people don't have the ability to go to the doctor, right? And, and losing insurance is a big part of that. Yeah. So the this, stimulus... Ooh, sorry, oh, sorry about that. No, keep going. I think the stimulus, what it does is it gives states the option to extend coverage, right, from six weeks to a year. And and that that is a big step forward if states take that option up, because then... You, you stay on your insurance, you can keep going to the doctor, you can, if there are complications or mental health concerns, those can be diagnosed and potentially treated. There are concerns, though, because states have the choice as to whether they will actually adopt this provision or not. And, and what some are concerned about is whether we will see deepening inequities across the country, where in some places, if you're pregnant and postpartum, you stay on insurance, and in others, you continue to lose it. Wow. Um, I, this is such a complex a lot. situation and it's so unfortunate. I, I can't even help but think about even kind of the racial inequalities that happen in the medical system. How does that play into um, what we're seeing that could already be very devastating for so many people? It's a huge part of the story, arguably the most important. We have death rates two to three times as high for for Black people and Native American people compared to white, Asian, Hispanic, when you think about pregnancy-related deaths. That, that is staggering, right? And access to insurance can absolutely play a part in this because Medicaid disproportionately covers Black people in this country. That said, right, it is, it is not the only piece we need to think about. We do need to think as well about institutional racism, broader factors that that make it harder to access health care, maybe provider diversity, right? Having a doctor or not a doctor, a doula, a midwife, et cetera, someone who looks like you understands you. And the point there, I think, is that this is a first step. But as you rightly noted, pregnancy-related health is complex, and it is a story of racial inequality across the income spectrum. And we need to continue to be thinking about longer-term deeper solutions to. Yeah. With that said, do you think this is something that's going to be implemented after the pandemic since it's been something that, as we mentioned, reproductive health experts have been pushing for for years? Yes. And so the way it is structured in the law is that this will take effect next year in the spring. And that actually is not that big of a delay because the the national emergency means that Congress did some legislation last year. That means that if someone currently is eligible for Medicaid and is qualified already, they cannot be kicked off. It's a way to make sure that people stay covered throughout the health crisis. So we won't see states taking this option up until just when that protection is beginning to expire. Okay, lots to wrap our heads around right now. Shafali Luthra is a health care reporter at the 19th. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, coming up next, people are posting stimulus check memes about making outlandish purchases. Uh, is that okay? And what do we what do we think about that, Ryan? We're going to be talking about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 
As everyone's getting their $1,400 stimulus checks or news of them came out, a lot of jokes began and memes on social media referencing the crazy purchases that would be made. Um, in some, some cases, impossible things to buy with $1,400, like freeing the animals at SeaWorld and uh, parodies of major investments in the banking firm Goldman Sachs. Uh, <laughs> I mean funny but also kind of sad because it really shows the the disconnect people think that a $1400 check is going to change someone's life i mean even no offense producer vanessa brought this up of like oh this might can i talk about this this might get people lazy right and this is a this is a narrative a lot of people have like oh it's going to uh, be helping people too much like people need to do the work themselves it's like $1400 check is that really going to change someone's lives it's going to change a bit. I mean, I honestly couldn't believe it when our producer said that. It was uh, quite shocking. Um, <laughs> but. She's real. She, you know, she's like the Simon Cowell here in the studio. <laughs> she always and has And even sometimes to Simon we don't want to hear from. No, I'm just joking. I, I think um, that these were hilarious jokes. I don't, I don't really see the problem here. I don't see the problem. That's what social media is to make, is around. But what to were you saying? Fun? The disconnect. But I, I think it's, that. it's. All right, because a lot of people say, oh, $1,400, uh, the people that don't... Are you saying that those are the people who are making these jokes? No, but I think the people making this joke, they're acting like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do so much with my $1,400, which is like, that's not that much money. Well, you know that's the that's the joke, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's sad that we have to make these jokes because people think this, this is going to change someone's life. I think this article decided to take a trip down to black Twitter and write on something that they had no clue of what they're talking about. I, I see funny moments. Was like it this. only black Twitter doing this? I feel like that's where a lot of the things that we see that are funny and culturally amazing exist on the internet in black Twitter, the street of black Twitter. And so it's, I, I thought Bill Burr was making the funniest jokes on social media. I think oftentimes we make like these jokes, like they make articles over these jokes. And it's just like, they're just funny little moments that you're just experiencing with a lot of your community online. And you're just making a funny joke about it. It's not like anything to take seriously. Yeah. Direct deposit, $1,400. Me at Gatorland. Give me gators. I mean, uh, I like this one where it was like, direct deposit, $1,400. <laughs> me at Target. I want one of these, please. And it's the big red ball. They want to own a piece of Target. Yeah, I like social media for this because you know it's a serious, it's we're we're in serious times. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's good to make fun of things. I think I'm laughing because I sometimes I know I'm I feel like I could be considered like a part of the woke police. Like I feel like I am like I'd be really woke, but I, I just I also feel like sometimes these jokes and people us talking about it just feels like what are we what are we talking about here. <laughs> Well, I think it, th- this is what it, I think is the. Is, you know what I mean? Well, what's interesting is. Or what are we writing about here? Like, somebody actually took the time to write about this. Yeah, because it's like, what's the angle that no one's talking about? We're going to talk about. And I, listen, I'm I'm to blame for stuff like this. I created What's Trending, this was where we business investigate the social side to stories. This. So, this is the social side to that story. It's like, what's going viral around the stimulus checks? Oh, yeah, let's go into Twitter and see the hashtags. And this is a funny trend and meme popping up maybe i maybe i don't know maybe does anyone get it do you get it do i get it but producer do you do you have anything to say 
to add to how this. I see Ooh. this, and I don't think that if you get the stimulus check, you're gonna become lazy. But I do. This oh. is how oh. I see oh. this Here we go. being Here a problem. This is what I see. Okay. If the government sees that people are making fun of them getting money, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy all these clothes and Fashion Nova. I'm going to do all this, go, you know, they're gonna spend think, it on something that it's like a luxury. Uh-huh. Then they're going to think, you know what? These people actually don't need that. F- they already people, think that, though. F these people who are making fun like, of this. like, what I'm saying, like, that's why I was like, well, maybe they shouldn't make fun of it. So mm. we keep getting it. And that's how I saw it. And yes, I am signing. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes you have to laugh through your pain. Oh, um, that's real. And I think uh, this can be very uh, triggering when people are going to get this $1,400. Some, if you listen to the last segment, won't because they're being garnished by debt collectors. So what else are you going to do? But Maybe laugh. they could buy an NFT <laughs> or make one and make some money. <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> I don't. Coming up on the show on New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio stepping it up for sex workers. His latest announcement next on What's Trending This. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. And by the way, we have new hours here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. You've got Let's Go There, longer new hours. You can't get away from us. Wait. I don't think I asked you this. What? Because I know I talked about my grandparents. Oh. Well, not my grandparents, yep. but my mom and my grandmother uh-huh. being vaccinated. Has, does, has anyone close to you been vaccinated yet? Yes. My stepdad, my mom got vaccinated. Yesterday, my dad got vaccinated. But he got vaccinated with the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech one, and that's the one that supposedly has, like, the small percentage of people getting blood clots. And I got really scared. He's like, yeah, but it's, like, 10 million people, and then... Uh, you know, a hundred people or ten people or something. Which yeah, is but you never small know. Small percentage. The, yeah, and I was you could be a out. part of that percentage. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Come on, Dad." Wow. So I just told him, "Be aware if you're feeling off." Well, just don't wait. And I wonder. That's the thing. I feel like obviously you just go, and when you hear vaccine, you're not. I I would want to be like, "Can I choose?" You have all three of them here. But I don't think you can do that. I think yep. you just whatever is in supply because that's what it is. Yeah, and supposedly has a higher percentage of protection. But I don't know. Feels we'll like see. someone telling me I can't have what I want at a buffet. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. there's multiples, and they're like, no, the ice cream machine's broke. It happens. <laughs> Including when you're at McDonald's, that happens a lot, actually. Well. <laughs> Coming up, though, on the show, speaking of the vaccine, we're going to be talking to the person behind the study for Moderna's COVID vaccine testing in babies and young children. What's going on with that? People either getting a check for their child or just being like, I've been trying to get rid of my kids anyway. (laughs) That's coming up in 15 minutes. Plus, we love talking about dating relationships here. How to reapproach dating after the pandemic. We've got actually a matchmaker, a gay matchmaker joining us. Perfect He's for just you. a matchmaker no, who happens to be gay. No, he is a gay matchmaker. I'm just joking. No <laughs> <Whoa>, police. <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour. We're starting to sound like a Fox News station. <laughs> Oh, my God. What is happening to us? All right. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is calling on the state of New York to end criminal penalties for sex workers. He says the city is creating a task force. And here he is talking about it. We're creating a task force on the health and safety needs of sex workers who are often very vulnerable in so many ways. So we want to bring together all the agencies of the city government to determine how we can support and protect 
those who are put in this situation. But most importantly, we're calling upon the state of New York to change the laws, to end criminal penalties for sex workers, to put the focus where it should be on the traffickers and those who profit. Okay, good job, Bill de Blasio, definitely needed. And yeah, finally, yeah, I think this is a good move. Um, you know, I have my thoughts about that mayor, Bill de Blasio is something else. But I think this is something that we, we continue to talk about because a lot of times um, a, commu- a, a lot of our communities um, close, like, you know, trans women often uh-huh. have to resort to this for survival. And so if we can find that way of ending these criminal penalties, then it just makes, you know, a, a, a little bit of their life easier for whoever has to do this type of work to survive. And sex, work- sex workers in general deserve to have that same type of respect because why are we looking down on their job? That, that's how the system was set up, unfortunately. It was a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> and finally, as of Friday, roughly 30% of the eligible Massachusetts state police members, including civilians, declined a coronavirus vaccination shot at one of three specific clinics. This is interesting because this comes as we've learned that about one in four members of the House has not been vaccinated against COVID-19 as of early March, despite having access to. So what is going on? And... Is that okay? I mean, I feel like members uh, of the government who are representing us should be vaccinated, even though they don't want to, you know, skip the line. And also, if you're a a police and you're out and about and connecting with people, I want you to have a shot, too. I don't feel like that you're skipping the, the line as well. So what's going on? They're trying to sacrifice themselves or something? And like, are they scared of being hit by the woke police? I don't know, if, but if uh, if they if news comes out that Marjorie is saying I don't want to get a vaccine, then I don't think we should give it to her. Okay. <laughs> I hope everyone gets it. If you're eligible, go get it. Okay. Whatever. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? More has developed in this whole Sharon Osbourne scandal, and to be honest. At this point, I don't see how she's going to bounce back from this. It is time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So new reports are claiming that Sharon called her former colleague, Julie Chin, slanty eyes, and um, her co-host and former colleague as well, Sarah Gilbert, who happens to also be lesbian, um, a pee licker. Yeah. According to journalist Yashir Ali... Um, I mentioned him yesterday. We need to have him on the show tomorrow. All right, He's great. He's Yashar great. Ali. Um, Leah Rimney um, basically told him that they recalled Osborne talking some mess about Julie Chin saying, I mean, who the F does slanty eyes think she oh. is? She shouldn't be pillow talking with our boss. And of course, they're mentioning, uh, she's referencing Julie Chin being married to uh, Les Moonves, who is the... Uh, well, was I believe the CEO of CBS because he had to step down because a whole bunch of yeah, and then she did stuff. Well. Yeah, well, she did. St- I mean, she stepped down off the talk, but she's still the host of the uh, Big Brother, and she makes sh- made sure to let us know that she was Julie Chen Moonves. Um, she also uh, Sharon added uh, this about Sarah Gilbert said, "Why won't the pea liquor do anything about the woot wonton?" Oh, and God. she was referencing Julie Chan again and said, why won't the fish eater be part of this discussion? She's effing 
um, the executive producer. Or she, she's the effing executive producer. Um, Osborne's publicist Howard Bragman told uh, Yashir in a statement, she will survive this as she always has and her heart will remain open and good because she refuses to let others take her down. Worst response from a publicist ever. You're yeah, he a said damage a lot more than that. He said a lot Howard more than that. Bragman needs his own publicist now. It's bad. It's bad. But if you want to know and read that whole statement from her publicist, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. Sharon, they're not coming back tomorrow, by the way. There was a hiatus that I reported on yesterday. They're not. They're, um, CBS News has said they are going to, uh, well, CBS said they're going to extend that hiatus <laughs> under these investigations. <laughs> so who knows when the talk will be back. That's your team report. Maybe they should pick up Let's Go There for the midday show. Maybe. Maybe. Let's go there. It's time for something fresh. Coming up on the show, Moderna has begun testing COVID vaccines in babies and young children. What we've learned so far, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The drug company Moderna has begun a study that will test its COVID-19 vaccine in children under 12, including babies as young as six months. I mean, I understand that parents really wanted kids to go back to school, but donating them to an experiment feels a little creepy. Well, we want to find out more. Dr. David Wall joins us, the medical director of the vaccine clinic at the University of North Carolina, who is involved with this study. Uh, Thanks for being here. Hey, Shira. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So uh, please share how this study is going to work, because there are many questions here and concerns. Well, there's certainly questions, and that's why we do studies to try to answer some of these questions. And people want to know, well, should kids get vaccinated? And before we do that, we got to find out, like, is it safe, right? So we want to make sure that it's safe and that it works. And so this study is looking at two groups of little kids, like you said, babies as young as six months, up to two years, and then from two years to 12 years, and looking at different doses of the vaccine to see how low can you go, right? Like, so what's the dose that can get you the immune response you need to protect yourself from COVID-19? Because that could be different for little guys compared to us. And then do a study with the right dose to see, does it work in getting the immune system to do what we need it to do? How are you able to find parents willing to kind of put their kids into this study? Yeah, so it's really sort of interesting. Sometimes we're really surprised, those of us who do research about, you know, who wants to do these kind of studies. And um, there was a study recently for 12 to 18-year-olds, and boy, it sold out in no time. Parents really wanted to get their kids involved in these studies and get their kids vaccinated. Did you, what was the ages again? I'm sorry. That was 12 years and up. So, you know, right oh, well, now... Those are like preteens and teenagers, girl. I would get rid of them, too. <laughs> but right, how does it work? I mean, you're obviously yeah. paying them to be involved. Do you find these are families that um, are from lower-income communities? I mean, girl, I know, like, black folks putting uh, their kids up in this. <laughs> well, I just want to know, is there, like, something you're seeing across the board? Or is it, yeah, it runs the gamut because you want to uh, have it being used on many different individuals? Yeah. And and just to put it out there, so I'm not doing the study, but others will be doing the study. This hasn't started yet. Moderna, the company that makes one of the vaccines that you guys have heard about, is is planning on doing this and announced that they're doing it. But, you know, I think, you know, it's a really good question. And it takes a special person to say, you know, I want to find out the answer and I'm willing to do this. And hopefully it's not for the money. And while, you know, this is really a problem for research, because you want to make sure research is inclusive right? That Mm, the research looks at people 
who look like the rest of us and who look like the folks who are getting COVID-19. Well, they need to do that. Yeah, they need to do that. But you don't want to take advantage or exploit. So you just have to be honest with folks and let them make decisions with the right information. Cool. All right. So how long does a study like this take? Like once it does get started and all that good stuff. They're talking about following these kids for a year, which is good because you want to make sure that it's cool, you know, for a longer period of time than just a few weeks, probably to enroll 6,700 kids, which is what they're doing. I don't think it's going to take that long. Well, I think it's going to be pretty quick. I do think there's a lot of interest. I bet you're right, though. The littler guys, the six months to two years, that's going to take work. Yeah, so I know. Cute. Anyway, all right, Dr. David Wall, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Dr. Anytime. Da- Dr. David is medical director of the vaccine clinic at the University of North Carolina. Yeah, I hope to have you back following along Anytime. this journey. Yeah, thanks. Coming up, before you have kids, you date usually, and it's it was hard enough. Add in a pandemic and it's brought up new challenges. So what does the future of dating look like? Gay matchmaker Amari Ice joins us for that next, and he's here to also help out Ryan, hopefully. Well, how did I get in it? You always do. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Have you been having a hard time navigating the dating scene during the pandemic? And what does the future of dating look like? <laughs> well, I'm here to help. Oh, no. Well, no, we are here to You're help. You're here to help? <laughs> what? She's been in a relationship for what? Like two days? And now that all of a sudden she's an expert? Out. That wasn't even written yeah, in my Yeah, because it's natural for you <laughs> to just make it about yourself. What? The narcissism? Amari Ice is with us. Please. Uh, They're a gay matchmaker, relationship coach, hypnotherapist who helps gay singles level up their dating skills so that love becomes inevitable. I love that mission statement. Amari Ice, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yes. So with restrictions opening up, what would you say is the current state of dating? Yeah, the, the cool thing about dating during a pandemic versus dating when the pandemic lifts is that we are all most likely to find love when we're in a state of transition. So that looks like, you know, things opening up, things closing down, moving to a new place, starting a new job, getting fired from a new job. Whenever we're in transition, we are most likely to find love. And you're probably like, wait, why is that? So the reason this is true is when we are in our comfort zones and we're doing what we're used to, whatever patterns we have that kind of sabotage our love lives are in play. But when we interrupt that pattern in a state of transition, we're more open to seeing things we don't normally see and to experiencing love. So all of us are most likely to find love when we're in that state. So you're going to see a lot of people find love now that the restrictions are lifting. Okay, so that's interesting because I I think one key factor in this um, kind of going into dating again in this post-pandemic world is how did you handle the pandemic? Were you being irresponsible? Where where were your responsibilities and priorities lying in this? And how do you think that's going to affect people's decision in finding a partner? Because I think that does say a lot about a person's character and integrity. Sure. So the thing about happiness is that both love and money have a huge impact on whether or not we're happy. And money's influence levels off after we make around like 75K a year based on where you live. Because if you're like in DC or LA, it's a little higher than that. But after that amount, it really levels off. It doesn't impact or influence our ability to be happy uh, because now we don't really have to worry about things. But love is always the number one component of happiness for all of us. So even if we are happily single, it doesn't mean we have to be single, 
right? We all still want to be happy. And so even when people may say that they aren't looking for love or they're in a state where, you know, they're, they're having that phase of experiencing and exploring things, like at our core, it's human nature to want love. So I, I don't think it's really going to distract people from it. Like when, when you're uh, ready, yeah. it's always when love shows up. Yeah, you're saying like in the pandemic of people like like jobs are lost or uh, money and like sh- life transitions. Like what about value systems? Because we saw people that didn't believe in the masks that, yeah, that's uh, what I was that weren't being for. responsible. And it might be... I, I actually agree with you, Ryan. It could, you know, it really shows who someone is when you're in a state of emergency you like know, the pandemic. The reason why I bring that up is because yeah. I, I don't know if you saw the viral Instagram account Gaze Over COVID. And what if somebody finds, you know, that they think they're love of their life and then they find out that they were featured on that Instagram? <laughs> don't that impact if I want to move further into that relationship with that person or not? Because <laughs> they were out there being irresponsible. You know what? That's a really great point. So I haven't heard of that account or, or that particular phenomenon, but you're absolutely right. Values are the number one component of long-term compatibility. So you for sure want to make sure that whoever you're getting to know is on the same page with you in terms of those key life values. Because if not, it doesn't matter if you get along. It doesn't matter how attracted to you are. Since our values really determine our life path, if they aren't in alignment, we're eventually going to grow apart anyway. So, yeah, I think that's a really great point. Well, Amari Ice, we're going to continue the convo after this. We want to get into first date tips during this time. And also, what is a game matchmaker exactly like? How does that uh, change things, right, than a normal matchmaker? What are you doing? She wants to know if you teach people how to go cruising. All right. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Amari Ice is back with us. Gay matchmaker, love coach. Uh, talk about how you got into this, helping gay singles master their romantic Wait, magic. No, 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 no. We, first of all, we're going to get to that, but we teased to the first <laughs> date tips. Don't leave people hanging on all the advice that they're going to need to survive the dating well, that's field the point, out to there. Keep, get them tuning in for the rest of the same I, I get it, but like, I need to know now. Can you please give us those first date tips? <laughs> yes. So here are three tips to have an amazing first date. Tip number one is work on your love blocks because the number one reason anybody is single is because they're trying to have a level 25 relationship with level three skills. So we have to make sure we have the, the actual ability and capacity to create and sustain love. So for sure, look into that self-development, work with a coach, a matchmaker, whatever, to help you get to that place of really being ready for love. That's mm-hmm. always number one. Because no matter what tips or strategies you get, mindset is always going to be most important, right? So it's 80, 95% mindset, only about 10 to 20% strategy and tactics to determine your success in a relationship. So tip number two is be clear about what you're looking for. So not just physically, right? Like we pretty much all know what our physical type is, but it's more so about those inner things. Like we mentioned before, the values are the number one component of relationship compatibility long-term, right? You also need to know what qualities that person needs to have in order to, to, to meet your needs on a long-term basis. So these are like spiritual, emotional, intellectual qualities, not just the physical ones, right? So be clear on the, the essence, the energy, the internal mindset and heart set of who that person mm. is. Because yes. once you go on the date, it'll be much easier to tell if this person 
to meet your needs or has the capacity to be great for you, but only if you actually know what that is in the first place. A lot of people think, oh, I'll know it when I see it. But what we see overwhelmingly in all the data and my experience working with clients directly is people actually don't know what they want, which is why they have such a hard time finding the person who can meet those needs. Got to get clear. And you so, know, Murray, third, like you're yeah. amazing, by the way, everything you're saying, like, I'm so Thank happy you. that the, this matchmaking is changing. We, we were at a time where it's so superficial. And I feel like finally it's in a place that really helps people share your final one. For sure. For sure. And I am a relationship coach and hypnotherapist first. So matchmaking is kind of like the bonus with me, which is really awesome. Um, so the third tip, yeah, you know, work on that mindset. So the third tip, when you are dating is to turn up the fun, turn down the pressure. My number one rule of dating is to play. We're all most fascinating, most attractive, most engaging when we're in that state of passionate play. Like we, when we allow ourselves to have fun, nothing is more irresistible. Nothing is going to be a better determinant of chemistry. So allow yourself to have fun. Don't think about a date as, oh my God, this might be my future husband or wife or whatever. Right? Think about it as a experience to connect with someone and see if we can have so much fun now that we want to keep having fun later. Wow. wow These I just got great chills. tips. Thank you so much, Amari, for joining us and really getting, well, shares like in a relationship, but me. I, I'm, it's not happening. Uh, Still, but it anyone resonated. listening. It resonated even for me in a relationship, the fact that like I'm on the right path. So that was powerful. Really? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, the fact that I'm, I'm just so happy I'm in a relationship. It just means I'm in I got a healthy it right. relationship for the first time in my life. 37 years. I have a lot to celebrate. All right, Amari. 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 <laughs> Thank you. We, we're excited to have you back on. You're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, being, for, for having me here. It was a pleasure. Now yeah. you'll be back. Coming up on the show, Elliot Page opens up about his journey and his first interview since coming out as transgender. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, if you missed our conversation on relationships and how to find the one during this time and as the pandemic lifts, then you got to listen to the previous segment. We had an amazing matchmaker coach join us. Really blew my mind. Even if you're in a relationship, a lot of good reminders there. You can listen to it on our podcast, Let's Go There on the Radio.com app, and where podcasts are available. Just in case you didn't realize, we have a podcast. What blew my mind and what we didn't get to ask him is, what the hell is a hypnotherapist? You don't know what a hypnotherapist is? Like, is he just hypnotizing people? Uh, and is he using he that uses power for good? Hypno- <laughs> he uses hypno- like, hypnotherapy, I guess hypnosis within therapy. Once again, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. not an expert. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> and guess what? As you would say, there's always Google. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I knew what hypnotherapy stood for. It's an alternative medicine which oh, hypnosis God. is used to create a state of focused attention. Blah, blah, blah. Some people don't deserve therapy. Google. <laughs> Imagine if you could ban someone from Google. I would literally ban you all the time from Google. I hate you. That'd be the meanest thing to do. Like, if you're like, why is Google coming up? What am I going to do? That'd be a good prank. No, it's also a good way of proving that you're right about everything. Don't give anyone an opportunity to go find out themselves. Just being like, nope, I'm right. You that should be a modern day game. Like, you have to find the solution without Google. Oh, well, if only the life uh, life could be better that way you know just saying that's a million dollar idea <laughs> trademarking it now it honestly sounds like a saw movie like just giving <laughs> 
Coming up on the show, we have the author of Mirror Face. It's a first-of-its-kind book teaching children self-love. It's already being used in public schools in Atlanta. It's really cool. That's coming up. Plus, what happens when you have big ideas but lack money to make it happen? We're here to help in 30 minutes. We're not here to help you with the financial part of it, but maybe you'll get some advice from it. <laughs> exactly. I don't got no extra money to help you. <laughs> $1,400, baby. You can have my you're starting. <laughs> you're starting a venture capital fund with that. All right, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Representative Deb Holland delivered final remarks on the House floor one day after her Senate confirmation as Interior Secretary. When I was a little girl, none of this crossed my mind as a possibility for me. I wasn't one of the students picked out to apply to college. In fact, I didn't apply to college until I was 28. I was constantly struggling to make ends meet and raised my child as a single mom. Growing up, Native women rarely held federal leadership positions, and now little girls everywhere will know that they can run for Congress and win and that this country holds promise for everyone. Yes, Holland is the first Native American cabinet secretary in U.S. history. Early Yaz Queen as well. We love that. Yes. And finally, experts have said safety measures will be crucial because multiple variants of the virus are circulating, including the highly contagious B117 variant that was first identified in the UK. That is projected to become the dominant variant in the U.S. by the end of this month or early April. Because it is highly contagious, it could cause a surge in cases and vaccination levels are not high enough to stop a spike. Research published, though, last week suggested that the variant was associated with an estimated 64% higher risk of dying from COVID-19. This is kind of freaking me out. Researchers have also said current vaccines generally offer good protection against this. So we got to get the vaccine. You know, what? if you're working from anywhere outside your home, you should get the vaccine. Yeah. We I, should be getting the vaccine. I was just to say, is that, was that like a plea? <laughs> we should Someone be. help us. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you what my mom said after, because I was trying to hide it from her that I was back in the studio. I didn't want her to know. Uh-huh. Uh Because I haven't got the You vaccine. can just look on your social media anyway. But my mom doesn't, she's not on Instagram or anything. Well, she should. And um, yeah, I just, uh, she found out because I told my grandmother by accident. And my grandmother told her and of she's course. like, oh, my God. It was like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not good. I got a call every day from my mom. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so in his first interview since coming out as trans, um, Elliot Page finally feels like himself. I love this story. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the Juno star... um, grace the cover of Time Magazine to show his completely new look and opened up about his earlier struggles in the spotlight, revealing that the process of uh, primping and dressing up for the red carpet uh, carpet often felt excruciating. Uh, He said this, I just never recognized myself. For a long time, I could not even look at a photo of myself. Um... His friend also spoke to Time Magazine, and I I thought this story was very interesting. Um, Basically, um, his friend recalled the time where she would be with Elliot and say, hey, look at all these, like, nice outfits you're getting. And he would say, it's not me. It feels like Mm -hmm. a costume. Um, which it really tells you how open he he's being in this in this piece on the time and Time magazine, and um, he opened up about his top surgery and cutting his hair and what that really meant for him and, and the liberation that he must be feeling, and also mm-hmm. the fight 
how obviously trans folks across this country are being attacked in every way by our federal government and and what he plans on doing. So if you want to know more about that uh, story or even check out the cover, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to see the full magazine um, because it's just, uh, it's so good. It was really nice um, to see that trans man representation um, in the media at this level. It's just beautiful. It's like when Laverne Cox graced the cover for the first time. It was it was honestly game She was on time. Yeah, she was on time. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I, that's how she blew. I mean, that's when she kind of blew uh-huh. up. It is crazy because, you know, we look back at these time covers and it's a game changer when they do cover this. But like when, when they cover these things, we look back 10 years later and we're like, oh, my God, it's just so strange how we were thinking. Like, unfortunately, this was so not accepted at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's celebrate it now mm-hmm. and, and, and learn from it. Educate ourselves. And that's your tea report. Well, coming up on the show, a new children's picture book that is helping the next generation have more self-love. I love that. The author joins us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Mirror Face is a children's picture book, which is currently being used by 30,000 Atlanta public schools, students, teachers, and parents to support their emotional well-being. Now, I wish I had this book when I was younger. I think it would have helped me with a lot of the stuff I'm dealing with right now. And here to share more is Jordan Gilman, the creator and co-author of Mirror Face. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, So I I love this book and what you're up to, but you actually weren't necessarily in this space. Uh, What, you know, you were in advertising, you were working in media before before this. What made you want to create a book like this? So I was... Uh, similar to you, needed a book like this when I was growing up. I uh, was working in advertising and marketing in the corporate world and felt unfulfilled, uninspired. I was actually at a lot of personal development conferences trying to figure out my life and what I wanted to do, a way to lead with purpose and do something with where I would have an impact. And uh, at the conference, I learned for the first time that there was uh, the external image of myself that I've been presenting for the past five years. Uh, I mean, uh, 30 years, I think, at that point, um, it was not who I was on the inside. And there was this idea of self that came to mind. And, you know, you think it's funny, as a 30-year-old, you would you would think that that would be learned, that there is an, uh, a self inside of whoever I am uh, outside of um, work and, and uh, professionally and personally, but there's a me inside. And so I learned for the first time that I exist. And it was a frightening moment because I I uh, was not um, really prepared to have that uh, experience with myself at, at at the ripe old age of thirty. So I started practicing self love and started looking in the mirror of myself and and saying nice kind things to myself. Affirmations. Something, yeah, affirmations. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, the idea clicked inside of me that you know the message that I wish I received as a kid. Why not put that into a children's book? And and here we are today. So the children's book features a lot of children um, from different backgrounds, I guess, uh, different racial identities. Um, so I guess, how did you figure out those narratives and finding the right thing to say for a children's book that is educational, but is, you know, it, it still feels like a children's book, I guess. You know, it was a tough process. I partnered with Michael Tyler. He had authored a book called The Skin You Live In uh, in 2005. Um, and when I first proposed the draft of Mirror Face, we wanted to make sure it would be accessible for all ages. 
zero and up, we like to say. And uh, I think for me, my idea was always how can you teach adults how to love themselves while well, you package it into a children's book and you tell them to read it to their kids because mm-hmm. they're the ones receiving the message uh, as much as the child who's listening. And so we came up with a rhyme scheme, which is untraditional um, by nature, but to be, to be honest, I think it's going to be uh, a much easier read for parents and children to consume because of the way that it rhymes. And Michael really came together, we partnered and came together and created what this beautiful book now is. And then I partnered with Lisa Fields, who is an incredible artist. Uh, she is an up-and-comer um, that I was able to connect with through, uh, you know, yeah. divine intervention. And uh, she had crafted this uh, amazing, beautiful book that I hope all of your listeners will see. Uh, but it was important for us to showcase the totality of our universe, not just some of the singular lenses that are sometimes expressed through um, really all media. Well, I was going to just say, like, uh, you're working with Atlanta and schools there, which is amazing. And how are you looking to expand it? And we just have like 30 seconds. Yeah, of course. So we launched with uh, Atlanta Public Schools, 30,000 students actually received it. The mayor of Atlanta named it Self-Love Day. So now we're going from city to city. We want to be in every city around the country celebrating self-love. And then the book is for sale. It's uh, I Love You Mirrorface. Dot com, which is the affirmation at the end of the book. Um, but our goal is to really make sure that the children who can't afford the book are going to receive it first. So that's why we're focused on this uh, non-for-profit mission-driven aspect where you'll see us in a city uh, nearby soon. Amazing. Jordan Gilman, creator and co-author of Mirror Face, a children's picture book on self-love. Go check it out right now. Appreciate you for being here. I love you, mirrorface.com. Coming up on the show, what happens when you have big ideas but lack money to make it happen? We're here to help. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A lot of us have ideas, right, of things we'd love to launch, businesses. We've all been there, right? But there are challenges from our own limiting beliefs to just the limits of our own society. Did you just psychoanalyze everyone in the middle of your intro? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're limited, limited. <laughs> well, I said there's limiting, but there's also the limits of society. Yeah, it's very Being true. part of a, a patriarchal system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, led by white cis-hetero men. If you're going to say it, say it with your chest. Don't stutter. Leading. I'm just getting <laughs> into it. Oh. Thanks for, you know, the baby I'm trying to, I'm trying to yeah, pump no, you up. Yeah, no, you're throwing me into the deep yeah. No, I, I, no, I agree. Uh, it's something it's real. It's the Canadian in her. Mm-hmm. Which is access to money. Yeah. So how do you get access to that money? Joining us right now is Kelsey Sheehy, small business expert, personal finance writer for NerdWallet, with a passion for savings hacks. I need some of that. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So... Let us know those tools right now available for people to start their new business, because I think there's this idea that there's not a lot of money out there because of the pandemic. But I don't think people realize that there there is money out there and it's not just for people who typically have access, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. So there is money out there. I think one important thing to understand, though, is. Finding financing, not just in this time, but anytime for a new business can be really tricky because new businesses are basically the biggest risk there is for lenders. So most banks won't even consider lending to you until your business has a few years under its belt. 
That said, there are options beyond your traditional bank. Um, so there are things like grants, microloans, personal loans, even credit cards can be used in a pinch to to give you some capital, to give you some money to get your business off the ground. Yeah, I guess it seems like it can still be a very difficult process because obviously the system is already kind of rigged in some way for some people. So it's like how you even really navigate kind of the hurdles of trying to figure out, oh, is my my idea good enough to get into that next stage of investment? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think one of the best resources for someone who's thinking about starting a business, they have an idea, they just really need someone to help them take it, like form it and take it to the next level. The Small Business Administration has a ton of free tools and resources um, on their website to help you write a business plan, to help you actually calculate what your startup costs might be. But then there are also small business development centers all across the country that are tied to the Small Business Administration, and they offer really personal help um, there's also SCORE, which is this amazing organization that offers free mentoring. Um, so you can get a, just a seasoned wow. expert business person who will mentor you through the process. And I think one thing business owners will very quickly learn is the importance of having good mentors, having those connections. Um, so those are two really good um, resources, even just to get started. Um, the SBA also has women's business centers, so there are uh, veterans-owned business centers, so there are some niche organizations within that bigger agency that are, are catering to business owners that don't always get a lot of help. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of incentives for minority-owned businesses right now, and like you could literally Google that, and I feel like every major company uh, has those offerings, even uh, a company like Comcast is like investing in a minority. But it's businesses. a pandemic still. So I'm like, is it even really worth trying to start in a small business right now? You know, you would think that the pandemic, this is the worst time to smart to start a small business. But in some ways, one, there's never a great time to start a small business. It's going to be scary no matter when you do it. But I think one thing that this last year has done for a lot of people has one, force them to stay home, but also force them to kind of step back and really evaluate what's important to them. Do you want to go back to that long commute? Do you want to go back to that job? Now, for some people, it's a choice. For other people, it's not. A lot of people lost their jobs, and a lot of new businesses are being started by people who have, have no other option. They're turning to their plan B, and they're making it work with whatever they've got in their pocket. And, and, you know, it's hard, but it's always going to be hard to start a business. And if you can get through this, you know, once things kind of get back to normal and people get back out there, your business is only going to thrive more if you can get through literally maybe one of the hardest years you could go through. Yeah, definitely. That was Kelsey Sheehy, small business expert and writer for NerdWallet. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And for the motivation. Go on TikTok. A lot of motivation for small businesses there. I'm telling you. Of course. Who knew TikTok was uh, that destination? Coming up, cheerleaders, uh, a mom accused of using deep fakes to harass a girl on the team. This story is just bad coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q. Now the story we're about to talk about is just evil. I mean, this is next level using deep fakes 
to basically go up against a teenager because <laughs> your daughter's on the same te- uh, cheerleading team and you want to get back at this other girl. This is what this mom did, okay, from Pennsylvania. She's being accused of anonymously harassing a high school student on her daughter's cheerleading team by allegedly creating deep fakes that show the, showing the girl uh, participating in illicit behavior. Imagine how embarrassing that would be if you found out your mom did that, right? It's just horrible. And if you're not sure what deep fakes are, uh, they're images or videos that have been manipulated using software to make it look like the person is doing or saying something they're not. I mean, it's hard enough to be a teenager these days, social media. Now, deep fakes? Is this the next frontier of horrible? Um, the fact that that mom even knew what a deep fake was is kind of impre- shocking. Someone impressive. Just a little bit, but also, like, who is she hiding in her basement? Because she's clearly a psychopath. Right? Um, I think to attack young girls like this, just because you are a... Uh, uh, um, um, I guess a momager or a sports mom, either helicopter way. mom, yeah, desperate, just, jealous it, mom. It feels like she needs to be locked up under the jail immediately because she doesn't need to. She doesn't know how to handle freedoms, and she also doesn't care about her daughter, who that's going to traumatize her, and then also make her the least like person on the team. That's like it's the exact opposite outcome. Yeah, unless her daughter. Now, here's the thing, you know, like daughter, like or like kid, like parent, kids who are often the bullies come from terrible parents. And so who knows if she's like this girl who could be known as the mean girl and maybe she deserved it too. You just never know, right? But no one deserves, and I'm talking about the daughter getting embarrassed in this way, right? Um, I just think this is just completely crazy. Well, so this cheerleader, Maddie Heim, she's now being interviewed by the press, but she told this to NBC News that her cheer coaches said they'd been sent the video that showed her vaping. (laughs) Like, you know, that's the new that's the new thing for all the young kids. They vape a lot. They like the apparently like they they like the flavors like bubble gum and grape like they're three. Yeah. Well, it's not good for them. That's that's being marketed as that like bubble gum. But the teen and her mom, imagine this happening. And in this video, the mom's like, I did not know what to do because no one's set up for that. Like these are new things that no one has really dealt with yet. And one, it should be illegal, right? Just like uh, taking private photos sent over text and exploiting those photos. And that it's taken long enough for that to be illegal. Uh, but this is the next thing. And I think that we need to figure out ways to protect people because this is super harmful and scary. Yeah. I I still can't get over that the fact that she even knew what this was and how to do it. Like, I, did she hire someone else? Well, yeah, I'm sure there are sites where you could probably upload a picture of someone and ha- like share that with a video. That's awful. And merge it. That is so awful. Go on Fiverr or someone, something or hire someone. Yeah, that's crazy. So watch out. Watch out. If there's something that's being sent around about you, you know, might not be real. Might be uh, a deep fake. What would you do if your mom had did that to you back in the day when you were growing up? I would be so angry. Yeah, are you kidding? It doesn't seem like you would be angry. Are you kidding? She did something once to me where she got angry at a girlfriend of mine. She screamed at her, and that was so embarrassing. That traumatized me for years, let alone a deep fake. You know what traumatized her? What? When you pretended like you had broke your arm. How do you remember this? I did. My poor single mother. I told her she wanted me to go to bed, and I pretended that I broke my arm, and she pulled me.
And then she brought me to the hospital to ER. And then I went up on the, you know, the bed thing with my arm. And the doctor was like, uh, what arm did you say See? was broken? She has been traumatizing since the I've womb. been evil. <laughs> anyway, let us know what you think about this story. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Not about my broken arm, but about deep fix being used in Yeah, this is a crazy story. Coming up next, uh, President Biden is holding his first press conference very soon. More details after this on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how debt collectors are looking to come between you and your stimulus check. How dare they? And the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine study happening in babies and young children. One of the doctors behind that study is joining us in 30 minutes because we've got a lot of questions. That's for sure. Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. Mitch McConnell delivered a warning to Democrats who want to abolish the filibuster on the Senate floor this morning. The Kentucky Republican promised his colleagues a lot of bad stuff should they go through with it. As soon as Republicans wound up back in the saddle, we wouldn't just erase every liberal change that hurt the country. We'd strengthen America with all kinds of conservative policies with zero is zero input from the other side. I mean, that's uh, a threat, I believe. It's pretty scary. I couldn't tell that was a threat by his old man voice. Sounded like he was about to croak. Those are the ones you need to watch out for. Yeah, I guess. It's not just the evil voices. It's the ones that, you know, act like they're just... He just needs to make sure he took Tuesday's pill section, all of his pills today in the little pill box. Make sure to take your medicine, Mitch. You're getting a little old there, sir. President Biden will hold his first White House press conference on March 25th. That comes from his press secretary, Jen Psaki, today. Biden now has broken a record without a press conference as a new president, drawing a lot of criticism from news outlets. Of course, they're finding this as a loophole, right? A gap in the process. Like, why hasn't he had a press conference? Of course, Jen Psaki, though, has been holding down the fort, doing a pretty good job, I would say. And it's not like President Biden doesn't answer questions. He's always answering questions. He's not avoiding anything. True. Yeah, the number of reporters, though, who will be allowed to attend the event is unclear, as is whether Biden will call from a prepared list of journalists. Uh, He's off the cuff a lot, but this administration is pretty on point. He reads from a teleprompter. He doesn't go off script. He knows what he wants to say. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, sure. You know, we've talked about Clubhouse a lot here before. Yeah. Right. And uh, Clubhouse, if you're not familiar, is this new in like drop in audio app where people, celebs are really big on there. And let's just say it's going to get some celebrities caught up in some mess. It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Tiffany Haddish was caught talking some smack because guess what? TMZ has their own people recording those conversations, which is the app is invite only to folks who only have iPhones. And also, if you get an invite, you can come onto the app. And so... The thing about this app is that it's very private, essentially, right? But more and more people have kind so of come private. on. It's not really private. Yeah, and TMZ has decided to have their own people lurk in these oh, conversations yeah. where the celebrities are and record the conversation. And Tiffany Haddish, we were just talking about her and how the moment she won her Grammy and she was in tears. But girl, guess what? She was talking some smack about Nicki Minaj in a clubhouse room. And uh, yeah, it's not good. Here's a clip. 
Anybody ever tell you you like the Nicki Minaj of comedy right now? That's the and, I, and, and unlike Nicki, I treat everybody with respect and dignity. Hey. So, yeah, um, basically, I guess somebody said, like, you heard that they were, like, she's like the Nicki Minaj of comedy, which means, and if if it's a good response, uh, well, a good compliment is that Nicki's at the top of her game and when it comes to rap, so she's at the top of oh, her yeah. game when it comes to comedy. But she did not like that, and that, you may wonder, like, why do they have some beef? Like, what's going on? The dig may stem from the 2018 VMA Awards. Haddish called attention to Camila Cabello's five nominations that night. And before dragging Cabello's former group, Fifth Harmony, she added this. Those of you watching at home, hi, Fifth Harmony. And that was her joke. That was Tiffany Haddish's joke. It was kind of uh, cringy. And Nicki Minaj actually took up for those girls um, in a tweet that she put it out there. And I guess that's what caused Tiffany Haddish not to like Nicki Minaj because she stuck up for women, I guess? I don't know. Tiffany Haddish has actually gotten into a lot of trouble on Clubhouse. There have been a lot of headlines where she has... uh, There was uh, one recently where basically she was in a room and her and other celebrities in that room were spreading misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. And a doctor came on stage and um, the doctor ended up was getting so bullied because uh, Tiffany Haddish's response and all the other celebrities' response were so mean to her. The girl almost uh, completed suicide. And it it was was an actual story. It was a really big story that just happened not too long ago and I I recently tweeted being like you know celebrities are going to lose their careers if they continue to go on this app um, and be a part of these harmful conversations because she mm -hmm. was also a part of conversations that had a lot of transphobia involved with it it's just it's awful like this is not a private way it reveals who the the real people right and we kind of want to see that because if you're going to be problematic and not get it then yeah, show your true colors so that we're not promoting you and continue to feed into your success. Yeah, so that's why I'm often conflicted when it comes to Tiffany Haddish because I don't really know, I know if I want to... I really wanna... liked her now that you're saying... It's true. It's, she can, she has her problematic moments, you know, and it's uh, it's really frustrating, but uh, if anything else more comes from the situation, I'll be uh, giving you the update because, girl, the clubhouse, y'all celebrities better watch out. Mm-hmm. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. Uh, Lena Bloom is making history as the first transgender woman of color to appear in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Yes. This is huge. Uh, she posed in 12 different one-piece suits for the groundbreaking shoot and called the experience bigger than my wildest infinite dreams in an Instagram post announcing her casting. Uh, and here's a clip talking more about this huge experience and announcement. When I was a little kid, being mixed race, I realized that people were being mean to me or giving me privilege based off things that I had no control over. When I first started modeling, what I heard the most was, you're black, you're a woman, and you're trans, and you're poor. You're at the bottom of the food chain. Now, people are telling me, you are a beautiful woman, you are a beautiful black woman, and you are a powerful trans woman. So she is beautiful, let me tell you, and I'm so happy she is living her dreams 
And we're seeing this, this representation. She's also very um, philanthropic because uh, I met her. I think you also I, met her at the Trevor wait, Live what? thing. Yeah, we've um, we've met her. I've, I don't know if you were around, though. I think you were on air. Oh, okay. Um, and That's I really was cool. um, chit-chatting with her for a while. Let's get her and on. So she's, uh, she's really great people and just stunning and just has already crushed a lot of barriers. And um, it's good that she's getting her time to shine. Definitely. She's looking beautiful. So go follow her on Instagram. Check it out on uh, Swimsuit Illustrated as well. And that does it for our show and our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, how should the media cover anti-trans bills? I mean, this is such an important topic. We cover this, but GLAAD has actually called out Newsweek's coverage on this topic so bad that it received a super fail. So we're going to get into why that happens and what we can all learn from that their mistakes, obviously. Uh, plus, why do we love consuming content that makes us mad? Because I think we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We get into that to, on tomorrow's show, live right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Again, we have a podcast. Catch up on all our shows, interviews, everything be in the know on our podcast. Let's go there on the radio.com app. Just search that. It's so easy. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Love Line right after this, where Dr. Chris is covering outdated dating tips. Love that. That's next.